On today's episode of a Wicked Good Patriots podcast, I give you my full preview for the Week 2 Patriots versus Steelers showdown in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to give you all my analysis for the game, everything that I think is going to go down, what I want to see out of New England going into Week 2, coming off that disappointing Week 1 in Miami. I'm going to give you my picks for the day, including who's winning this game, prop bets, and more. All of that coming up on a Wicked Good Patriots podcast. Make it to White. Look at Last time. Throws it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Wicked Good Patriots podcast presented by Guy Boston Sports. I am your host, as always, Anastasios Kalimos. They call me Freak Freak. Today is Friday, September 16th, 2022, and we've got a Week 2 Patriots breakdown to get into. Um, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to everybody who supported my first episode on Monday. I really appreciate the feedback I got, all the uh, love and support I got. I really do appreciate it. And uh, for all the feedback I got, I will um, imp- look to improve the show going forward based off some of that feedback. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, like I said on Monday, Friday shows are going to be previews of the upcoming Sunday's game. So for today, we're breaking down everything about the Steelers-Patriots Week 2 matchup. Um, I'll be giving you my gambling bets as well, some picks for the game, as well as just kind of giving you my thoughts heading in, what I think about the matchup. My confidence level that New England can actually win the game, all that and more. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. So, Patriots Steelers, not exactly the team I wanted to face coming off of that loss in Miami. You know, Miami's defense is pretty good. And I said that on Monday. They have a pretty solid defense, one of the best secondaries in football, even without Byron Jones playing. The Dolphins secondary is still pretty scary. They have a solid defense all around. Um, and so, to go from that to the Steelers' defense, which is even better, with a struggling offense, not exactly what you want to see. Now, T.J. Watt obviously is out, which you don't want to wish injury on anybody, but it is a benefit to us, the fact that they don't have their best player uh, on defense. So, not having T- but even without T.J. Watt, this is still a, a tough, tough matchup. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is a ball hawk. You know, they've got great players all around the field. But no matter what, losing T.J. Watt will be a blow to the Steelers' defense. So they're still going to be very good. I expect them to be very good. But obviously, they will be a little bit down because of the loss of T.J. Watt. That being said, again, going from the Dolphins to the Steelers, not exactly what you want when your offense is struggling and needs to get on rhythm to go from a great defense, a good defense to a great defense. Not the not the uh, progression you want to see. Also, Mac Jones is obviously you know suffering from a little injury. He got hurt uh, in back in Week One against the Dolphins. He has a little bit of a back injury. There are rumors that he may not even play this week. They've obviously debunked that, and he is going to play. How effective is he going to be? He also was sick this week. He missed practice uh, on Thursday with an illness. So 
been a rough week for Mac Jones dealing with the back injury, and he's been sick. So those things also not a great sign going into Sunday, the fact that your quarterback is banged up and sick and is mispracticed going into a tough matchup. So uh, confidence level right now, not the highest, but that's why they play the games. You play to win the games, and that's why you play the games um, because any given Sunday you don't know what could happen. What I want to see in week two from the Patriots, talking about sticking with the offense, I just want to see them be a little more efficient. And I, again, going up against the Steelers, that might be difficult. But I want to see some more efficiency, especially in the run game, which was very inefficient on Sunday against Miami. Um, I want to see Mac Jones. I don't want to see them revert. Like I don't want them to get scared and be like, oh, Mac Jones had kind of a rough day. You know, through a pick, we didn't really score. We only scored one touchdown. I don't want them to dial back the passing because he threw the football 30 times a week one. I'd like to see him throw it at least 30 times again in week two. Um, I like the, like I said, I kept saying it on my last show. I like the fact that New England was being more aggressive and throwing the football down the field, and and I want to see them continue with that. I don't want to see New England kind of shrivel back into what they did last year, which was just, you know run, 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 maybe a play-action pass every now and again, you know, dink and dunk, and really not allow Mac to take shots. I want to see them be aggressive throwing the football. Be smart about it. Don't just throw it downfield to throw it downfield and get picked off. But at the same time, I like to see them be aggressive. I want to see Mac Jones take shots. I don't want to see, you know, 35 run plays and, you know, 15 pass plays, and the 15 pass plays are all little drops, you know, dump offs to the running back and little five-yard, you know, screens and and whatnot. So, again, I want to see New England be aggressive. Also, you know, obviously be smart at the same time. But I like the fact that, like I said, that was one of the big things I took away as a positive. One of the really only positives from week one was the fact that they were more aggressive. And I want to see that continue as the season goes along. I want to see them allow Mac Jones to trust his arm, to test his throwing ability, to move the ball downfield. And, you know, if they're a little bit more conservative against a tougher defense, I understand it. But that doesn't mean you still can't take shots. I mean, the Bengals were still taking shots. Yes, Joe Burrow did get picked off a number of times, and that's why, you know, maybe learn from that. But, you know, I, I don't want them to to see what happened in week one and think we can't trust Mac Jones to throw because I don't think Mac Jones was really the big problem with week one. Um you know, again, we still don't have clarity with the with the offensive coordinator position, so I'm assuming we're going to see more chaos with that. Uh, I really do feel like Matt Patricia is the problem with most of this offense. I really do. I don't know what it is. I don't really, I, you know, I don't have factual evidence to back that up. I don't have a reason. I just, I look at Matt Patricia, and I know his history as a coach, and I really just feel like he is the reason why the offense is kind of chaotic at times. And I mean, I think it came out that he, Matt Patricia was the reason why Kendrick Bourne only received, what, two targets in week one, if, if he even had that much, why he barely played. Um, I think it was re- announced that Matt Patricia was the reason. And, you know, I think it was something about being late or, or something like that. But, you know, again, like Kendrick Bourne last year was our second best, maybe even our best wide receiver. To not have him play at all in week one or have him play as little as he did really doesn't make sense to me and it really makes me question well what what was Patricia I understand you got to you know Patriot way they have a system you know you can't be late you got to follow the rules but you know you're also trying to win football games and to not play 
your arguably second best receiver. A very interesting choice by by the offense. So I would like to see Bourne more involved in week two. Um, and like I said, I, I do want to see how the offensive line holds up against this defensive line. Again, no TJ Watt, so a little bit of an easier assignment. But I want to see what the Patriots offense can do. I want to see against a very tough defense, what can they do? Can they be better than they were week one or will they shrink again? You know, I want to see the wide receivers. Can they get the separation? Can they get free? Can, you know, I, I just, there's a lot of things that I didn't like about week one. And I want to see in week two, if that will be improved upon, if it was just a week one thing, or is this going to be a season long thing? Because week one, it's very tough to, to build uh, conclusions or build takes off of week one, because week one is very chaotic. It's very hectic. It's the first game of the season. You, what you see in week one is pretty much as arguably not what you're going to get come week seven, eight, 16, you know, as you go down the line, that's not the same team because week one, even the best teams may struggle week one. So I want to see if this was just, you know, the things that hurt them in week one, if that was just a week one ailment in Miami, a place they struggle or is this going to be something that is a recurring theme throughout the season? So those are things that I want to see. And again, Pittsburgh, I keep saying it, Pittsburgh, not a best, ma- not a great matchup for a struggling offense, but <clears throat> it does help that T.J. Watt's not available. It will make it a little bit easier of a matchup. But the, even without T.J. Watt, the Steelers' defense is still very good. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, 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 the coaching thing I think is still good. Until, again... I said on Monday, until the Patriots just go ahead and name a central offensive coordinator, I don't think the problem's going to be solved. I think until the New England Patriots go ahead and name, and I think it should be Joe Judge, so let's say in this scenario Joe Judge, until they go ahead and name Joe Judge the offensive coordinator and let him run the offense, and, and you know, again, you can have Patricia contribute, but have Judge be the central figurehead of the offense for this season, I think it's going to be chaotic. Even if you go ahead and name Patricia, which I don't think would be the right move, I, I stand by what I my take, what I said. I feel like a lot of the chaos and a lot of confusion with the offense would be cleared up if they just named one central figurehead for the offense instead of this having two play callers and two guys to basically run the offense. And it's just, I think it's causing confusion. I think it's causing embarrassment to the Patriots franchise. And I think a lot of things would be smoothed out if they just name, and again, I think it should be Joe Judge, but if they just name one guy the central offensive coordinator. Again, I don't think this was the right decision from the get-go. They should have just brought in a real offensive coordinator. But we're stuck with this for now. If we're going to make the best of a bad situation, name one, ride with that guy, and then if it doesn't work out, you move on in the offseason and you bring in a real offensive coordinator, which regardless of what happens, unless unless the Patriots go to the playoffs and the offense becomes elite under these two, I think that's what they should do anyways, and they probably will. Um, but moving on to the defensive side of things, again, I said it on my, on my last show, I was actually more nervous coming into the season about the defense, believe it or not, than I was the offense. That that nervousness is obviously switched now, right? I'm a lot more nervous about the offense than the defense, but the defense played very well week one, I thought. Take away the points off turnovers, they only gave up 10 points. 13 if you include the field goal, which was off of the interception in the first quarter. Um, but, you know, obviously they had the fumble six. So 13 points. We'll say 13 points the defense gave up. 
against the Dolphins offense that has Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Mike Gusecki. J- I mean, they, they they might be the fastest team in football. An improved offensive line. I understand people think Tua is not that great, but Tua had a pretty good game. And that offense only managed to put up 13 points. That's not a bad performance in my mind. I mean, they, they constantly were getting pressure on Tua. I felt like more often than not, they were getting him uncomfortable, forcing him out outside the pocket. You know, um, they did a decent job on Tyreek Hill. Again, he still put up some decent numbers, but, you know, he didn't have a, a Tyreek Hill explosive game. You know, Jalen Waddle, they kind of kept him in check for the most part. So, uh, again, it wasn't a perfect game, but I thought against a really good offense, you know, with a great play caller in Mike McDaniel, you know, I thought that they played very well overall. And so, going into week two, I actually think this is a little bit of an easier matchup for New England because the Steelers' offensive line may be the worst in football. And if it's not the worst, it's most certainly one of the worst. And so, I think it'll provide a little bit of an easier matchup. Now, the Steelers' wide receiver room is... I don't know if I'd say it's as good as my. It's not as good as Miami's, but it is one of the best. You have Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, rookie George Pickens. I mean, you, this is a solid receiving core in Pittsburgh, so it's not going to be easy um, in terms of guarding receivers. Once again, for the second week in a row, these corners in New England will truly be tested. That now I actually think it's a good thing because you get these really good wide receiver rooms early in the season. You get these, especially some of the younger corners they have get them battle-tested, get them playing against some of these better receivers because, again, I keep I keep saying it, later in the season, the schedule gets a heck of a lot tougher, and you want these young corners to be battle-hardened by the time that time comes. So I, you know, I think they'll be able to put pressure on Mitch Trubisky, and I think Trubisky, in terms of where does he rank as a quarterback in comparison to Tua, who they just faced, I actually think Trubisky, he's a little more consistent than Tua, his ceiling is not as high. So, you know, you're. I think you're getting a similar kind of vibe at quarterback from Trubisky compared to Tua. You know, I think Trubisky's a little bit more accurate. I think he'll be a little more consistent. But, you know, you're not playing a top 10 quarterback. You're not playing a Josh Allen or a Mahomes. You know, you're playing an average quarterback. So, with a weak offensive line, now they do have a very good running back in Najee Harris, but Najee Harris is coming off a, a foot injury. He's. I think he's expected to play. But he's going to be a little hindered, and he's one of the better running backs in the NFL right now. And stopping the run's been a problem the last couple of years. And on Sunday against the Dolphins, there were a couple big runs the Dolphins had. I mean, they they you know the run defense was not great. So going up against now a team with a really great running back in Najee, granted he's a little bit hindered with a foot injury, uh, but going up against Najee and the Steelers, can they stop the run? Because I feel like the Steelers very well could try and run the ball down our throats. Which, you know, Najee, based on our defense for past years, Najee could very well run for over 120 yards. If this is the same Patriots run defense we've seen the last couple of years. Hopefully it's not. Um, But I want to see them continue to put pressure. I thought that was one of the things I liked that I saw against Miami was the fact that this defense, which is now younger and faster... Their their newly found speed really helped them in terms of putting pressure. You know, they were able to actually get through. And, they, you know, I only, I think they had only, what, one sack, I think, or maybe two against Tua. Um, but that's going to come. And I do think, although they only had a sack or two, they were pressuring him. I mean, they were getting in the backfield. Now, Tua was able to make a couple of plays, and, and, and it, it didn't affect Tua the way you'd hope. 
But, you know, they were putting pressure on him. They were getting there. You know, there was, like, Kyle Duggar had a great play where they pitched out to the running back. I think it was the second quarter. And, you know, they got him in the backfield, and it was a tackle for loss. And, I mean, he went right at him. I mean, they, their tackling was very good. You know, they, they were doing a pretty good job tackling uh, against Miami. And so, again, this is a young defense. A lot of guys getting their first opportunities. They're only going to get better. And that's the one area of this team that I actually think will improve greatly because, obviously, you've got Bill Belichick coaching the team. So, naturally, as Belichick's coaching the team, the defense will be decent. Even even go back to the Cam Newton season, right, when we were 7-9. and nine. That team was not great, right? Defensive personnel was not great. And they still, the defense was very good that season, I think, was very good that season, considering what you had and all the injuries that you suffered. The defense was still putting was still not one that you wanted to play, right? They still made life difficult at times. So you give Belichick a younger, faster defense. I do think that this defense by the end of the season will be top fifteen, maybe borderline top ten. I know that might be crazy to some because you look at the roster and you're like, who do they have? But that this is the one area that I think Belichick does not fail at, and he hasn't failed that even even post Brady. The one thing that I think Belichick consistently has been good at is the coaching the defense up. And so for me, that is the one area where, and I don't know why I was so nervous coming into the season because, you know, I understand that, you know, even I thought the same thing. Oh, the roster's kind of weak. It's a lot of new faces, guys who haven't played. But this is Bel- Belichick. I mean, this is what he does. And he takes guys in, on the defensive side, at least, and turns them into studs. Um you know, Kyle Duggar, everyone made fun of that pick being a second-round pick, and, and he was a D2 safety. But Duggar, right now, looks really good. He looks like a steal almost in, in some ways. Um, so this is what Belichick does. And so I think defensively this team's going to get better. I think the big thing I need to see in Week 2 is can they start creating turnovers, right? That was, I think, the thing that killed them big time in Miami was they were, they were turning the ball over, and, and New England could not create turnovers. The turnover battle needs to be won or at least maintain to win a football game. You can't be negative three in turnovers with our offense as it stands and expect to win football games. We need to be better, and we need the, the we need to start winning the turnover battle. And so that's what I want to see. Can we create turnovers? Mitch Trubisky, again, not a great NFL quarterback. If we can't pick him off at least once in this game, I'll be a little upset. Um, we need to start creating turnovers and limit turnovers on our own end offensively. So I, I am a little nervous. If I was to say, what is my confidence level on New England winning this game going into week two? I'd say, to, to be totally honest, 40%. I give them a 40% chance to win this game. Mainly because of the fact that this defense, even without TJ Watt, is very good. And seeing the offense that I saw last week, if they if they even, I mean, hopefully they're better. But if they're anywhere near what they were last week, this is a loss because they're turning the ball over multiple times, you know. I So I'm a little nervous. I'd say 40, maybe 45% chance to win this game. They're in Pittsburgh on the road, so, you know, a tough environment to play in. I, I'm not super optimistic. I, w- I think I gave the Patriots a better chance of beating Miami than I did beating Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's just a tough team to play. Now, granted, the Patriots have owned the Steelers in the past, but that was Tom Brady versus Ben Roethlisberger. This is now Mac Jones versus Mitch Trubisky. It's a different time, different team. Um, so confidence level is not super high going in, but it's early and Belichick off a loss. Again, it's, it's really tough 
lately to follow these Belichick trends, right? Because during the, especially during the Brady era, you always had these stats and these trends with when it came to Bill Belichick. And one of them that I always remember, and I've quoted so many times over the years, is Belichick off a loss. It might be the best coach ever. Like when he loses a game, if they lose two in a row, there's a problem. Because more often than not, if New England loses a football game, the very next game, Belichick and the Patriots roll in and they and they they kick ass. That's been the Patriot way, at least during the Brady years. You know, if they lose a game, you better you better expect the next game they come in fired up and ready to roll. And if they do lose two in a row or they have a really bad start, look back to what year was it with Kansas City? Was it 2014 when they were like when they lost to the Chiefs like 41 to 14 in Week Three, and then they went on this, and then you know we're on to Cincinnati, and they absolutely killed the Bengals. I was there. I was at that game in New England. Um, when they came back after, you know, they lost to Kansas City and people were like, are Belichick and Brady done? By the way, crazy to think back in, two, I think it was 2014, that everyone was saying Brady and Belichick are finished. They lost to Kansas City 41-14. to You know, it's over. Their run, is, their run is over. And they went on to win like three more Super Bowls after that. <laughs> they won that year. They won 2016 and 2018. So it's just, it's kind of crazy the fact that back so many times, Throughout the years, people tried to say it's over, it's over. But that one, to me, was the funniest because, I mean, they, they had a really bad start. And people were like, oh, Brady's older. You know, how funny would it be to, you know, if you had told somebody back then, after that loss to Kansas City, hey, Brady's going to play until he's 45 years old. He's going to win three more Super Bowls with New England and one in Tampa Bay. And he's going to play till he's 45. You'd probably just sit there and laugh your ass off, but that's what happened. So kind of crazy. But back to my point. The old Belichick trends were off a loss or off a bad start. New England would bounce back and they'd dominate or at the very least win the game. I don't think those Belichick stats and trends, you can really count them anymore because this is not the same Bill Belichick and this is not the same Patriots. I'm a, I, for the longest time, was a Belichick defender. And I still am. I do think Belichick deserves a little more credit than Brady. But when I say a little more, I'm thinking like, when, when Brady first left, and maybe it was the fact that I got stung by him leaving, I would say, I used to say, Belichick deserves 60 to 65% of the praise, and Brady deserves 35 to 40%. Now that I've had some time that I, to digest it, I'm not as mad at Brady anymore. I'm still pissed off he left, but not as mad. And I've also been able to see what Belichick has done post-Brady. I'd say it's more like Belichick 52 percent 53 percent of the success and Brady 47 40 48 like Brady it's very clear like having Tom Brady and running that offense for so many years really made an impact now fair we've also lost Dante Skarnecchia we don't have an offensive coordinator you know we've lost you know no Gronkowski a lot of the pieces that made the Patriots during the second half of the dynasty especially are gone right who who really is left from that second half Devin McCourty Matthew Slater I mean, who else? James White just retired. There's no receivers left from that era. Who's left? So it's a, it's not the same team. But I am willing to say now, after seeing Belichick whiff on a lot more draft picks and you know stuff like that, I am willing to admit now that as, as, I still think Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, and there's no doubt on his legacy. Nothing that happens in these couple of years post-Brady, I think, really affect his legacy because... His legacy is cemented between his New England era and his time as the defensive coordinator for the Giants. He's the greatest coach of all time, specifically on the defensive side. But 
we have seen post-Brady, they're not as successful. Whereas Brady, in the two years of Tampa Bay, he won a Super Bowl year one, and in year two, they were pretty close to getting to the NFC Championship game. With a team that was so chaotic with drama and injuries and stuff like that. So, I, I look at Belichick and all these old Belichick trends, I can't really get behind them anymore. I can't, you know, I, if this was 2018 or even 2019, after that week one loss, I'd be like, man, hammer the Patriots week two. Hammer them. Because off a loss, there's nobody better than Belichick. And I just don't know if that's true anymore. I don't think those trends apply because the thing is, I do think Bill has lost a step or two. I don't think he's as effective of a coach. Not to say that he's not a great coach, though, because he is. I, th- I think even his first year post-Brady, the fact that that team, which I think was probably the most least talented roster in the NFL, the fact that he took that team to the playoffs, I mean, I mean not the playoffs, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry, to seven wins, seven wins with that team, most other coaches would win two or three games. That roster was terrible. Cam Newton was bad. They had no offense. Their defense was the worst it had been in 20 years. And he still won seven games, and honestly, they could have won two or three more if a couple, if one or two plays go their way, remember I think it was week two they played Seattle and Cam Newton got stopped at the one yard line. You know, there's a couple. I mean, there's a number of games that season where you know things didn't go their way exactly. But Belichick off a loss nowadays, I don't think that stat means as much. So going into week two, normally I'd be a heck of a lot more confident, but right now I'm really not. I'm kind of going into this week two matchup like. Eh, I don't really know what to think. I don't, I, you know, they're playing a tough team. Yes, they're a little bit banged up with Najee being hurt. He's going to play and TJ Watts out. But, you know, I just, that week one loss really made me worry about this could be a trend for the whole season. So going into week two, my confidence level, not very high when it comes to this matchup versus the Steelers. So now when it comes to betting, because this is what I'll do on Fridays, I'll give you like my bets for the Patriots games. You know, I'll give you some props. I'll give you, you know, spread over under all that stuff. I'll give you that. Um, going into week two, now I now you just heard me say all this negative things and saying about how I I'm not confident in all this stuff, but I'm a gambling man, right? And so I look at trends and. You have to follow the trends. I always say this. Vegas rarely loses. Vegas wasn't built on winners, right? So Vegas doesn't like to lose. So you have to be, when it comes to betting, at least in my mind, if you want to be a sharp better, you really have to analyze. You have to look at the data. Gambling is a lot of data analysis. You know, you know I did that in college. I did a lot of data analysis. And, you, and data analysis is a big part of gambling. People won't, like, don't like to admit that, but it's the truth. So I these stats and these bets are brought to you by Action Network. We're not sponsored at all by Action Network. It's just I like using the Action Network because it gives you, um, if you have the pro subscription, it gives you a lot of that data analytics. It gives you a lot of where the money's going, uh, the line movements, the trends, all those things. I like to look at those things because no matter what, uh, they do matter. For example, uh, you know, last night, Chargers Chiefs. Uh, I parlayed Chargers plus three and a half and the under 52 and a half. It hit. Why did I go with those two? Now you can now obviously I you know I thought the Chargers were gonna win the game. They didn't, but I took the points because you always take the points. And the under, I took the under because I looked at the analytics and so much of America was betting the over. You almost when sometimes you gotta fade the public because again, Vegas rarely loses. If you see the majority of America 
is betting on the over, sometimes you go for the under. So that's that's not the only reason I went for the under. It's also just the fact that in gambling, when you see one, when something sounds good and it feels good and it looks good, it's probably not good, right? So you know you have the Chiefs and Chargers. The Chiefs who you know they went what they dropped forty four on the Cardinals and the Chargers. They only only scored twenty four on the Raiders, but it's Justin Herbert. <clears throat> You'd think fireworks. But I see that and I go, mm, most most everybody thinks fireworks. So I'm thinking maybe not so much. And mind you, the under hit by like one and a half points. If can't if you know the Chargers don't throw a pick six on the goal line, that over probably hits. So with that being said, now the reason I say that going into this game, I before I looked at the numbers before the show, I would have told you. Bet the Steelers, because the Steelers, believe it or not, are actually underdogs in this game, which to me is crazy. All right, so looking at the line movement, New England opened at minus one and a half, and they now jumped to minus two. Why are they minus two on the road coming off an ugly loss, whereas the Steelers are home coming off an amazing win? Again, it doesn't make sense to me. But that to me is a trap by by the odds makers because if you see that and 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 the the normal thinking person would say and I and I said it when I first saw it, I just said it now why the hell would New England be minus 2 on the road coming off an ugly loss on the road against a team at home who just annihilated not annihilated but they embarrassed the Bengals the defending AFC champions they sacked Joe Burrow in his new offensive line seven times. They forced a lot of turnovers. So why would the Steelers be underdogs in this game? Everybody is going to be jumping on Pittsburgh because you see those lines and you're a football fan. You know what went on. There's no way in hell you're taking you're taking New England. But I see that, and I'm like, okay, New England's going to win this football game. My confidence level was 45%, and I'm not saying this is like the lock of the week. Please don't take that, take that as a lock. But following trends and following the analytics, right now 61% of all bets recorded through Action Network's app, which, you know, people that go on, they put their bets, 61% of all the bets have been placed on Pittsburgh. However, 71% of the money, which is the bigger bettors, the sharp bettors, are in New England. What does that mean? It means that the majority of people, like you and me, the average bettors, are betting on Pittsburgh. The sharp bettors, the professionals, they are taking New England. Sharp action is heavily on New England in this one. So I think Patriots minus two is the play here. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense from from a, 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 a just a basic football standpoint. It doesn't make a ton of sense. But in the mind of a gambler, these are the things you have to think of because it does affect the game. I think New England's going to win and cover minus two. You know, I, it, it, because I think so many people are going to hop on Pittsburgh because it doesn't make sense. That makes me think New England's going to cover. Could I be wrong? Absolutely, because it, this strategy doesn't work every time. You know, look at week one. Week one, I bet the Rams because America was all on the bills. And you think, all right, fade the public. Fade fade the America. And look what happened. The Bills dominated. I lost that bet. America won that day. But... More often than not, in my experience, when you fade the public, when you ride with this methodology, you, more often than not, you're going to hit. So I, there's a lot of this, the spread, the way they came out with the lines, I didn't like it. It was very, it felt like a trap from the beginning. So I am going to go with New England minus two. This is the pick I'm going to give you guys for the spread. New England minus two, 
And if you want to sprinkle the money line, right now the money line, according to Action Network, which is it takes an average of all the major sports books, uh, is at minus one thirty. So if you want to take the spread, or you just, I mean, I feel like they're gonna if they're gonna win, they'll win by more than two. But if you don't want to take the spread, money line is there at minus one thirty. So spread or money line, take New England. Um, I think they will cover and win this game. Again, my confidence level on it, do, I, I'm not telling you guys go throw 1000 on it or, or 10000 I'm telling you I this is what I will be betting on Sunday. And, you know, I typically don't like to bet on Patriots games, but I probably will bet this game on Sunday. But um, mainly because, you know, they lose and you lose your bet. It's a double whammy. Um, all right, over-unders. Okay. The over-under for uh, right now is currently set at 40 and a half. And um, I don't really know what to think on this one. My Logically, obviously, I would say the under because New England scored seven points last week. Pittsburgh, as great as they played, scored 23. Uh, these are two teams that are more defensive than offensive. I feel like it's kind of – I feel like that's a trap as well. I feel like the over would be the logical thing, but I just think the under. I don't see a way where these two teams – score more than unless the Steelers alone score most of it I, I I can't imagine New England goes on this defense and drops 30 points or 23 points or something like that I don't see it happening I would go with the under so that I'm giving you the Patriots minus two the under 40 and a half sprinkle the money line minus 130 and we'll close up the show uh with some prop bets and I'll also give you what I think the final score prediction will be again not the most confident guy in the world right now when it comes to this game, but I am picking the Patriots to win a lot of it based off the gambling analytics, I'll be honest. But, you know, also holding on to hope that New England's week one was more of a gaffe and that they'll come back a week two a little improved. Will it happen? Again, my confidence level is at 45%, so take it with a grain of salt. But I am going with New England. So looking at some prop bets for Sunday. Um... I really do like, and I'll give you props for both sides. I'm not going to be biased and I'll give you Patriots bets. I'll give you Steelers too. I'm going to give you the over on, take the over on Jacoby Myers yards. Again, I think New England, I like the fact that they were aggressive week one. I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, that's the trend for the season. I hope they keep it up for the rest of the year. If they do stick with that trend, Jacoby Myers is the most trusted receiver that Mac Jones has. He seems to be the one that gets open the most. Um, Jacoby Myers over 47 and a half receiving yards, I think is a pretty good bet. Uh, it's right now at minus 117 odds. Again, odds are going to shift and change over the weekend. And obviously it depends on the sports book you're betting on, but I'm going to go Jacoby Myers over 47 and a half receiving yards. I'm also going to go sticking with wide receivers. I'm going to go with the over on Deontay Johnson receiving yards over 54 and a half. Again, very good wide receiver room in Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson's very good. I expect Pittsburgh will throw the ball a little bit and test this younger secondary, an experienced secondary. Um, and, and, you know, Tyreek Hill had a decent game. Uh, I think they're going to hold them in check for the most part. I don't think anyone's going to have a crazy day, like 150 yards or anything like that. But Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver one. He's a very talented wide receiver. Uh, I can see them forcing it his way. So I'll go the over 54.5 on his receiving yards. Uh, anytime touchdown score props, I'm going to give Damian Harris one. I think you should take his. He's right now, according to Action Network, he's plus 128. Uh, he was without a touchdown in week one. He really had a rough game. But I, Damian Harris last season had over 10 rushing touchdowns. Uh, I feel like he'll get more on track in week two, hopefully. 
And um, <clears throat> I think he's a pretty good bet for an anytime touchdown score. If they get within the red zone, they're going to run the ball more, I think, this week. I think, And they were moving the ball pretty well last week. Like They were getting into Dolphin territory. They just weren't finishing drives. So I think if, we, if they play like they did in Miami and they're, they're at least moving the ball, if they can improve on it and get in the red zone, Damian Harris will have an opportunity. So I'll give him anytime touchdown score. And I will give uh, Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth. That's how you say his name. Plus 230 money line for his anytime touchdown score bet. I just feel like he's a very good tight end. <clears throat> Covering tight ends is going to be a little tricky. There's, again, young and experienced linebacker room. Um, I feel like, you know, in short distance, if they're in the red zone, he's a tough matchup for really any team. So I'm going to go with those are my two anytime touchdown score bets I'll give you. I'll give you Pat Fryermuth for the Steelers. I'll give you Damian Harris for New England. If I want to give you a third one, again, kind of a risky one, but I would take Hunter Henry for the Patriots, plus 265. Um, you know, he was their go-to red zone target last season, had 10 touchdown receptions. So he's he's more often than not, he's a safe bet for a touchdown catch. Um, okay. The last prop bets I'll give you will be with quarterbacks, uh, passing yards. I'm going to take the over. On Mac Jones yards, 209 and a half. Again, assuming that they're going to be aggressive here, throwing the football, continuing the trend we saw in week one. I know the defense is difficult in Pittsburgh, but I mean, he threw for over 200, I think it was 212 or 213 in week one. And I think he'll be better in week two. I think 209 and a half is a very good bet here. And um, yeah, I think, that, I think that's it. So to recap, Mac Jones over in yards. Uh, Jacoby Myers over in yards, Deontay Johnson over in yards. We love overs. Anytime touchdown score, Damian Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and Hunter Henry as kind of, if you want to sprinkle, if you don't really love the other two, uh, I will give you Hunter Henry as well. So guys, thank you so much. And oh, my final score prediction. I think New England wins this game 20 to 17. Again, I don't really think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout. I think the under will probably hit. That would be 37, so the under would hit in that scenario. Um, I don't think – I'm not expecting a crazy shootout game. These are two pretty good defenses going toe-to-toe and offenses that feature quarterbacks who either are inexperienced or, in the case of Mitch Trubisky, he's kind of wishy-washy. You know, you don't really know what you're getting. And I'm a Mitch guy. I, I you know, I supported Mitch in North Carolina, supported him in Chicago. Um, I think he's better than most people give him credit for. But I bet, you know, he's still an average quarterback. He's not anything super special. Um, so I think New England will win this game by a field goal, 20-17. to 17. Guys, thank you so much for, for tuning in again. Uh, I will see you all on Monday for my recap of Patriots Steelers. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Patriots football. Until next time, uh, I'll see you.